Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on March 5th, 2021 from my studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of this information in the podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. I can guarantee you that. Now, this podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features a ride-along with me to get the Moderna shot in Darlington. We continue to see more vaccine come to the state as we enter phase 1B. We get a statehouse recap from the Russ McKinney. And the latest on the COVID relief bill in the Senate. We take a look at the country's economic picture and hear more about the state's vaccine efforts. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from y'all about your daily life in these uncertain times. And we want to know how your past year has been. Give us a recap, give us a call, tell us how it's been, maybe some memories, some highlights, some lowlights, everything. Let us know, 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 7,697 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 448,275 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of March 5th at 4 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 5.7%. Currently, there are 664 patients hospitalized with COVID-19, 163 are in intensive care, and 88 are on ventilators. The decline in daily incidence and death that persisted for the past several weeks appears to have leveled off to some degree, according to Johns Hopkins. With some 63 to 67,000 new cases per day and 1,900 to 2,100 deaths per day. The U.S. CDC surpassed 100 million vaccine doses distributed this week and 80 million doses administered nationwide. In total, 54 million people, or 21% of the adult population, have received at least one dose of the vaccine. President Joe Biden announced this week that the U.S. has secured enough vaccine to inoculate every American adult by the end of May moving the timeline up from July. That's good news, folks. That's good news. And some late-breaking news on Friday. Governor Henry McMaster issued an executive order that states face masks are no longer required to be worn inside state-owned buildings or inside restaurants. The governor cited the declining case numbers and vaccination efforts underway in the state. Now, he did mention that restaurants can still implement their own mask policies. It is their business, after all. And the governor said that state agency heads may safely bring back the last group of state employees working remotely. This announcement comes after Texas and Mississippi lifted their statewide mask mandates this week, something we never had in the state. going to start off our politics section with reporting by the Russ McKinney, South Carolina Public Radio's own, on what happened at the State House this week, including action on the open carry with the permit bill, the transgender student athlete ban bill, and a bill that would make the electric chair or a firing squad the default methods of execution by the state since it can no longer obtain lethal injection drugs. Here's Russ. With Republicans increasing their majorities in the General Assembly this year, conservative members are pushing a number of bills that stand much better chances of being enacted into law than in past legislative sessions. The top conservative priority, a bill banning most abortions in the state, has already been enacted. The fetal heartbeat bill, however, was placed on hold by a federal judge last month. 
U.S. District Court Judge Mary Lewis is scheduled to hear a request for a permanent injunction of the new law in Columbia next week. A bill expected to be approved by the House of Representatives would allow the open carry of handguns if the owner has already received a concealed weapons permit. If enacted, South Carolina would join 45 other states in allowing open carry of handguns. Republican Representative Micah Kasky of Lexington County says many state residents feel that without open carry being allowed, their Second Amendment right to own a handgun is limited. And he says even with such a law, he doesn't think residents will see any type of drastic changes. I think that most people won't see these handguns openly displayed. You know, just like in North Carolina or Georgia where these laws are already a reality, you don't see you know, the doomsday apocalyptic scenarios that opponents want people to, to believe will, will happen. Uh, in the same way that you don't see you know, marauding gangs of AR-15 holders you know, walking through the streets as they would generally be allowed to in the state under our current law. Kasky's statement is correct. It isn't well known that carrying a long gun in public is already allowed under state law. The Senate passed a bill this week that could lead to the restart of executions after nearly 10 years. The Senate bill, similar to one approved by the House, would make death in the electric chair the default method for the death penalty. The current default method, death by lethal injection, hasn't been used in recent years because the state can't obtain the required needed chemicals used in the injections. So both bills revert back to the electric chair. And the Senate added a third method, death by firing squad. Orie County Republican Senator Greg Hembry, a former state prosecutor, told the Senate this week death by firing squad would be more humane than death in the electric chair. You don't want to torture anybody needlessly. I mean, that's not the, the government's you know, place. You know, I prefer lethal injection. You know, hopefully we'll be able to bring that back in South Carolina and other states. But this is an option that would, give, would in my view, be more humane than electrocution. Three states allow death by firing squad. Another bill conservatives are pushing in the House would forbid transgender students from playing on middle and high school athletic teams. The bill's author, Greenville Republican Ashley Trantham, maintains that allowing transgender students to play on girls' teams could deprive girls the chance to excel. In 2016, without notice or public input, the South Carolina High School League passed a policy allowing biological males to participate in girls' sports. This harmful policy would steal opportunities and shatter dreams for girls and women. The proposal received plenty of pushback during two public hearings. Ann Warner is the CEO of WREN, the Women's Rights and Empowerment Network. Excluding student-athletes from sports teams is simply not one of those issues that actual South Carolinians care about. It's a made-up problem and a distraction from the actual challenges that are facing people each day. Other opponents testified that a transgender bill would be allowing the state to legally discriminate, something legal experts warned would not hold up in court. Education Superintendent Molly Spearman joined in opposition to the bill this week. Russ, always with a bang-up and concise job recapping Statehouse action. You can find his reports every Friday on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, and we'll have more Statehouse coverage for you on Tuesday. You know, where I get to get a little bit more artistic with the coverage, a little more full-bodied, <laughs> really just get into it for you folks. But thank you, Russ. And speaking of massive spending bills, the U.S. Senate is working through the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill this weekend. 
Hope they didn't have any plans. <laughs> now, there are changes from the House bill, including, among other things, $1,400 stimulus checks for those making up to $75,000 and per child. Now, these phase out after $80,000 and couples making $160,000 in annual income. The $300 weekly unemployment benefit, which expires March 15th, will be extended through September. So a bit less than the House had proposed, but goes longer. And it's still weird because these benefits usually expire, leaving the unemployed in a lurch for months, while politicians go back and forth. So it's weird to see that that's not going to happen, possibly, this go-around. <laughs> but just to recap, if you're making $75,000 and under, you will be getting a $1,400 stimulus check. And if you have a kid, you get $1,400 for each kid. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Then again, parents had to do double duty as educators during this pandemic. So here's your paycheck. Here's your paycheck. <laughs> Some more details about the bill. States will split $195 billion and counties and cities will share $120 billion. Now, this has led to some consternation among Republicans, including our governor, as our tax dollars go to other states and cities that they say didn't manage their money as well. And speaking of benefits based off of children, the child tax credit would also expand to $3,600 for children under six and $3,000 for those under 18. There's also $170 billion for schools and colleges, among other things in the bill. Now, there is no federal minimum wage increase in this bill. But there's a lot more. You can find it online, thanks to CNN and other great news media outlets. And it saved me uh, from having to listen to 11 hours of the Senate clerk reading the entire bill. Hallelujah. Now, like I said, there's plenty more, but you're probably tired of hearing numbers. Instead, you can listen to part of Senator Lindsey Graham's floor speech from Thursday against the bill. What I hate the most is that we're doing a partisan COVID bill for the first time uh, as a nation. And I don't know why, because on March 5th, 2020, 96 to 1, we appropriated 8 billion when we just began to understand what COVID was about. March 18th, 35, 355 billion, 90 to 8, March 25th, 1.9 trillion. So March 5th to the 25th, we spent well over $2 trillion, the average vote, 96 to 1, 90 to 8, 96 to nothing. Uh, April, we spent $355 billion by voice vote. September 30th, 2022, $8 billion, 84 to 10. December the 21st, 2022, $1.04 trillion, 92 to 6. So it's not like we can't work together on COVID. You had a Republican president, you had a Republican Senate, and a Democratic House, and we're able to come together as a nation. But that is all over now because my Democratic colleagues have chosen to go another way because they can. They have all the power. They have the House, the Senate, the White House. They've chosen to do a $1.9 trillion package uh, without any effort at all, in my view, to try to find common ground. Now, money for schools. Most of the money in this bill, $129 billion for K-12, only $6.4 billion is to be distributed this year. Most of the money is spent from 2022 to 2028. Hopefully, we'll get control of COVID by 2028. Again, this is an opportunity to spend money on things not related to COVID because they have the power to do so. Now, just a few checks right there. President Joe Biden did meet with Republicans at the start of these discussions at the White House. And you may remember how long it took to get those bipartisan relief bills passed as the year went on last year. So kind of glossed over that. 
Graham did list off billions of dollars he said weren't related to COVID, rather were Democratic priorities that should instead go through the proper appropriation process. It's going to be a long day. We're going to be talking about reprioritizing money. We're going to try to strike provisions from this bill. Money that comes from hardworking taxpayers being spent in a way unrelated to COVID. The bill is expected to pass by the slimmest of margins around Monday. Paging Vice President Kamala Harris to the Senate. VP Harris to the Senate. And President Joe Biden will sign it, notching his first major legislative victory. Okay, that was a lot. Money, 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 money. But what does it mean for the country's credit card? Swipe. Let's just say if you have to ask, you can't afford it. (laughs) But the Congressional Budget Office does know and will tell you in a moment. Speaking of spending money, my favorite thing to do, especially if it's not mine, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office issued its long-term budget outlook that shows the country's debt is set to reach double the size of the economy by 2051. Yes, double. That means from 101% of gross domestic product this year to 202% in 30 years. The report does not factor in the $1.9 trillion relief package working its way through Congress right now. The CBO said that a risk of a fiscal crisis appears to be low for the short term, but it increases in the years ahead. And that's all I have for you in our business section because this is a long episode. But a question to ponder as we leave, what is money? Is it real? What is it? It's me. I'm finally going to get my vaccine. I'm so excited. Ah, longtime listener and our Lord and Savior, Dolly Parton. Well, she received her first dose of the vaccine, vaccine that she helped finance. But anyhow, I just wanted to encourage everybody because the sooner we get to feeling better, the sooner we are going to get back to being normal. So I just want to say to all of you cowards out there, don't be such a chicken squat. Get out there Well, I'm not a chicken squat, Miss Parton. I'll have you know that. But I went out and got me one of them shots, too. That's right. I got the shot. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Gavin, how? But how? Well, let's walk through the week since we last spoke. You may remember that we recently told you that Phase 1B wasn't expected for several more weeks. Well, things change, people change, and on Tuesday, Phase 1B changed. Teachers, close contact workers, in total some 2.7 million South Carolinians, the bulk of the state, all of a sudden became eligible. That included me as a high-risk frontline worker. Shortly after the governor and DHEC announced Phase 1B would start, I began looking into how to get a shot and familiarize myself with different pharmacies, processes, all that fun stuff that we've been talking about, and now I had to deal with it. While I was doing this, I found out that there were hundreds of open appointments at CVS and Walgreens pharmacies across the state during the tail end of Phase 1A. Now, I know we hear about scheduling issues and more with these big events, but here I am. I was looking at days worth of opening appointments around the state, rural, urban, you name it. 
Now I grumbled for a bit, but I resigned myself to the fact that I still couldn't book an appointment for Monday and beyond until later in the week. Understandable. However, shortly after on Tuesday, a media advisory went out from a CloudHealth's massive vaccine clinic at Darlington Raceway on Friday, and that it would allow phase 1B folks to become eligible. Why? Because not enough people in phase 1A had signed up to fill all 5,000 spots thanks to a reallocation of Moderna vaccine from long-term care facilities. Now, officials say that's because the area has been saturated with folks getting the vaccine, but I immediately tweeted this information out and, of course, signed myself up. I went through DHEC's Vax Locator website, punched in the zip code for Darlington, checked all the boxes, and signed up for the earliest possible appointment, 8 a.m., which helped me fulfill my goal of getting this vaccine as soon as possible, wherever possible. Now, the system wasn't that difficult to navigate either. Of course, I'm a millennial, so I have a little bit of a bias there. But this was through CVAS, which is DHEC's improved vaccination appointment system. Though it was a bit overwhelming at moments trying to find things, you can navigate it. It's not that difficult, no more difficult than finding a testing site and registering online. And if you think that's too much, go through CVS, go through Walgreens, or your local independent pharmacy. Now, that was this week. Cut to Friday, 7.20 a.m. Dateline, Darlington. Daybreak. I got to Darlington Raceway around 40 minutes early and cars were already lined up on the shoulder of the five-lane highway. The line started moving and then eventually split into eight different lanes to go to different tents to be checked in. The line was long, but it was moving. And actually when I left around 11 o'clock, it was pretty empty. It was moving really quick. But I got checked in. They found me in the system, even though I put in my wrong birthday. I was so excited to register. I messed it up, but they still found me. See? I'm here to idiot-proof it for you folks. Now, from there, we were directed to the infield, which means you got to go through the tunnel up into the infield. Very exciting for people who haven't done it. And from there, I went to another station where nursing students checked my info again and gave me my vaccine card and then directed me to the garages where typically pit crews work on NASCAR Sprint Cup Series cars during the big races. Instead, there were more students there with white coats and in scrubs. There were no lines and some empty bays as the process was so quick and moving so fast. I pulled up to mine, rolled up my sleeve, and got my shot within like less than a minute. It was really quick. From there, I drove to another location where we parked for 15 minutes as medical staff walked by to make sure we were okay and not having any adverse reactions, which I didn't. As of my taping several hours after I got my shot, my arm is just a little sore, but it's okay. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Feeling okay? Yep. All right. Have you out of here in just a few? The governor also visited the site later in the day. I didn't cover that because I had to scoot home to produce this podcast. But Will McLeod, he's a hospital administrator at McLeod, said it was remarkable to see such a massive effort come together, especially nearly a year after the state had its first case of COVID-19. I mentioned this morning that we're almost a year. I think we received our first patient on March the 16th of last year. So it's been almost 365 days and it's been it's been ups and downs. We had several peaks in the hundreds. The, the highest peak that we had was in the 160s here at the beginning of the year. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's put a toil on the medical staff, uh, on the clinical staff uh, and their dedication to all of our patients, but particularly this COVID patient, has been amazing. It's something to be proud of. Um, we're excited about the vaccine. You know, it's just one of the tools that'll help us hopefully get back to some normalcy. Um, but to be able to come out here today and do a mass vaccination, get 5,000 uh, community members vaccinated will only help us um, in hopefully getting rid of these masks and getting back to, to normal life. And we'll talk more about my experience in our wind down section. But uh, again, 
Great to see all that in action. So many people moving at once. Keeping with vaccines, DX says the more vaccine that becomes available, the more we'll see of these large scale events. So keep holding on, folks. Time's coming. Weeks away for many of you. DHEC's Nick Davidson, Senior Deputy for Public Health, dropped some historical perspective for us on Friday during our media call. And uh, it's kind of eye-opening when we look back. One year ago today, uh, March 5th, 2020, uh, was a historic day, even though we didn't know it at the time. Uh, March 5th, 2020 was the last day uh, where we would ever say there are no cases of novel coronavirus COVID-19 in South Carolina. Uh, And so unfortunately, that next day, March 6th, we announced the first two suspected cases of COVID-19 in South Carolina. It's been an absolutely an entirely unprecedented year, I think, since then, uh, as we all know. Um, We could all talk probably for a long time uh, about everything that's transpired, uh, not just in this state, but certainly across the country um, and across the world for the past year. There are two significant accomplishments, though, I would like to highlight as we look back on where we've been. Uh, A year ago, vaccines that protect us against this deadly virus didn't even exist. And yet today, more than one million doses of life-saving vaccine has been given to South Carolinians. And that's more than 82 million doses across the country. Uh, So that truly is an astounding feat. Uh, We owe it to our scientists, uh, to our physicians, our medical experts, dedicated staff in the field, uh, so many people who dedicate their lives to developing vaccines that save our lives. And also, um, we owe great thanks to those uh, who are making those vaccines and those vials and those syringes and those other materials needed to safely administer the vaccine. Um, it's, it's absolutely an incredible undertaking. And let's not forget the Herculean effort to protect residents and staff of long-term care facilities in the state. When the virus first began to spread across the country, uh, nursing homes and similar facilities were quickly being uh, devastated by the virus as it took its toll on nursing home residents and those who are most susceptible to COVID-19. In South Carolina, we had been working with our state's long-term care facilities since before the first cases of, uh, in our state uh, to help them prepare and implement the CDC recommendations uh, that were current at that time. In April, uh, DHEC announced we would be providing testing to every long-term care facility resident uh, and worker in the state. And that massive effort rolled out uh, across uh, several weeks uh, in May. And now, one year later, we're able to say that nearly every long-term care facility resident and worker in the state has had the opportunity to be vaccinated against this deadly virus. To date, 1,868 residents have died of COVID of nearly 12,000 cases and 29 staffers out of 7,400 cases have also died. What a difficult year it has been indeed, and we will continue our look back over the next several podcasts and want you to share your memories as well at 803-563-7169. But continuing on, a big question has been if I'm eligible for the vaccine in Phase 1B. I'm saying that like as you as a listener, the, the, the universal I, not me. It's not about me, it's about you. Now, we know Phase 1B includes folks 55 and older, people with high-risk medical conditions, frontline workers with increased occupational risk, and those in close contact settings. So you're saying, Gavin, am I eligible? Well, maybe. 2.7 million South Carolinians are, and DHEC's guidance is pretty broad. But Nick Davidson says eligibility isn't based on job categories, but risk. So if you're working from home, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer unless you have 
a high-risk medical condition, or you meet one of the other criteria. Here's Nick. 1B is not based on job categories. Um, it's based on risk. So if people are in person at their place of work and they indicate that they have frequent, close, and ongoing contact with others in the workplace, that qualifies them for 1B. Uh, we placed examples uh, on our website and in some of our guidance just in an attempt to indicate that various professions would likely have individuals who would indicate they are at high risk. We certainly had received questions from a number of providers, so we just thought a good idea uh, to give examples of industries where uh, individuals would likely indicate they are at high risk. The, the concept of frontline is truly just an attempt, as some other states have done as well, to indicate that those individuals are in person physically at their place of work and not, say, working from home. Okay, so now you're saying that's great about people and their occupations, Gavin, but what about those with these high-risk medical conditions? Am I eligible based on this risk? Dr. Jane Kelly, the state assistant epidemiologist, has your answer. The list that we have for phase 1B for medical conditions that place an individual at increased risk of severe disease is taken largely from the CDC list for which there are there is strong evidence that those conditions cause increased risk. It's on the CDC webpage and our phase 1B description has a link to that page. Those conditions include such things as cancer, not a history of cancer, but current cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and a number of other conditions. Again, I would stress that this is based on the science of what we know. So there may be some other medical conditions that have not yet been identified in studies at placing a person at increased risk, but might be identified in the future. So we always have to remain flexible that there might be new evidence that emerges about a medical condition. And if that occurs, we would add that to our list of medical conditions. Again, it's all based on risk. And DHEC is trusting you to be honest in evaluating your eligibility here. There's no panel approving or denying your eligibility, but rather your judgment and risk. Now looking ahead, phase 1C is expected to open April 12th, which is for those 45 and older and those essential workers who don't have close contact with others in the work environment, such as delivery drivers. And then all South Carolinians are eligible in phase two, which is expected around May 3rd. So if you haven't got the vaccine yet, hang in there, folks. Things are coming. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news, even though we still kind of talk about the news. Now we talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories, especially as we take our look back on the past year. I know it's March. It's hard to believe, but we made it one year in, folks. Tell us how you made it. 803-563-7169. Like we said, share the lowlights, the highlights, and everything in between. We're interested. It's been quite the year. If you can even remember what happened. I was looking through yeah. scripts, uh, more than 100 scripts in the past year, and was surprised by some of the things. This that, is episode This is episode 118. This so, is episode uh, 118. So that's just yeah. an idea about of pandemic. where we've been. And that's just pandemic <laughs> episodes. So <laughs> yeah. we'll have more for you in future episodes. I'm working on that right now. Um, but we want to hear from you, so drop us drop us a message. AT, speaking of that, has anyone dropped us a message? Oh, you know we got the hopper pull over here. Yeah, you did, know yeah. about the hopper, I my guy. The hopper. So, Throw it in the uh, hopper. We got, 
go, let's go to the hopper. Let's see it. Uh, well, uh, we got a guy. He's been waiting for a little while. He called us uh, from a unique location. So Ooh. let's round the tape. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, tape. Hi there. This is uh, Sal. Uh, I live on my sailboat. I'm here in Georgetown, South Carolina. I'm spending the winter here. I'm actually from Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, this month I returned 74. I've registered for a coronavirus vaccine. They tell me I'm on the waiting list, but I haven't heard anything. Uh, I hope to get it. I don't want to go anywhere else on the boat until I'm vaccinated. Uh, love Georgetown. Feel real safe. The good news is no one comes down the dock to infect me. Bad news is nobody comes down the dock. Smooth sailing. Stay safe. Sal, great to hear from you on your sailboat. Happy 74th. Sounds oh, yeah. like he's living the dream out there. I, I mean, he, he sounds like he's retired from land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's taken to the sea. He's yeah. afloat for life. And I, and I love to hear from Marylanders, too. I myself am oh, one. Yeah. Uh, Annapolis is a great, great city. Oldest state house in the country right there in Annapolis, Maryland, folks. This is the kind of info that you're only going to get on the lead, folks. Let's just say no one tried to burn it down. Too soon. <laughs> a year. <laughs> Very good. Maybe a boat party in the future. Oh, Sal, yeah, hit us up. We yeah. will come down to dock if we get to party on the boat. Gavin obviously knows all about maritime law. Yes, and he if there's practice. any disputes, we he can... can, he can Use that uh, that that degree that he earned at his at his <laughs> his uh, sailing lawyer school. <laughs> Don't you make fun of it. <laughs> it is necessary and needed. Okay, yeah. To become a maritime lawyer, it's basically like just getting ordained online. <laughs> anyone yeah, can do it. It doesn't take a. It doesn't take a lot. Okay. Anyone can and do if it. you're a maritime yeah. lawyer. Don't call us. I don't want to hear you complain about it. Okay? We don't need it. We already got one. I'll see you right? 15 miles out. Then we can settle it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll see you on the high seas, loser. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so again, big, big day today. Big Still day very for excited Gavin, about yeah. the vaccine. Fully stuck. Um, fully, fully. You're, halfway you're, there you're, living you're, on a prayer. You you've know? been plunged on. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. You know, I, I worked in Florence in the PD for four years at the Morning News, so it was yeah. really great for me to get to go back, see some familiar faces. You know, I covered McLeod Health. That's the big regional medical system out there. So when I saw that email come through, I was like, what a great opportunity. Um, jump on it, you know, and I had someone actually DM me, some um, ETV supporter DM me yeah. saying, thank you for putting this information out there about this, you know, phase 1B coming online at Darlington. You know, this was worth me donating to ETV to follow you on Twitter to find out what's going on. That's what you got to follow me at Gavin Jackson if you want these insider tips, folks. That's how you're. That's how you're getting the the breaking four one one on on these mass well, and, vac you know, sites. And with the the two point seven million people come on on a Monday, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot. People need to be pack your patience. You know, like it's yeah. gonna be tricky. It's gonna be a line. It's but gonna I will be say, a line. Like you don't necessarily have to go through DHEC, though there are plenty of sites available. But go through some of these pharmacies because it was super easy. It was yeah. like scheduling an appointment. Now it was easy because it was the tail end. I know it wasn't this crush, so it's gonna be different for everyone's experience. But when I went through it, it was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I thought. I know it's different for some people who maybe don't use computers as often as we do, but it's, it's help those people. Yeah, in you your can life. navigate right. it and you can call DHEC too if you need help. You know, DHEC is available yeah. for help. So um, it was just, it was fun to be out there at Darlington Raceway, the lady in black, track too tough mm -hmm. to tame. Um, 
<laughs> but not for a race, you know, because I, I covered sev- several races out there. You know, I had my hot pass, so I was in the did pits, you, I was did in the you garages. Feel like, but this did time, you feel Fast and like, Furious? Oh, yeah. I was so mad that they didn't let us, like, take a, la- a lap around. But They didn't let you hit the NOS on the turn. <laughs> I was ready. I will say, like, it was moving really smooth. You got in there. There was all this winding, you know, kept moving, kept moving. The biggest worry wasn't, I don't know, like, delays. I, I was more worried about, like, traffic control, which they had covered. Sure. You know, they had... Such great coordination out there with the Bunch National of volunteers Guard. They had there, like, I'm sure. yeah, so many volunteers. They had like top executives from the from the hospital out there directing traffic in some spots. Like the chief <laughs> operating officer was over there doing something. So it was all hands on deck. <laughs> it was moving and grooving, and uh, it was just great to see. You know, so you for, love to see it. Yeah, you know, you had some uh, nurses dancing. You had people just enthusiastic it was a nice day too that really helped if it was gorgeous raining, day God gorgeous almighty. day today gorgeous <laughs> you know? day today but um yeah i'm hoping people would get out there you know people that are dealing with people on a daily basis you know servers and stuff like that these are all your bartenders all it. your waiters you know, all get your out waitresses yeah whenever you can get it you know i, I would have traveled across the state i would have gone to greenville if it meant i could have gotten it sooner you know like, i would have gone today if i didn't already have a uh, tea time to play golf on the last day of my vacation <laughs> But <laughs> I can I can confirm it was a nice day because I was golfing. It was great. Hashtag AT problems. Oh yeah, it was fabulous. Well, so when I was in Kiowa, <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy how nice it was there. We we yeah. played uh we played the hardest rated course in North America, the mm. the ocean course at Kiowa, and uh, it ate my lunch. Um, Caitlin, the the wife, the old ball chain. <laughs> yeah. She she definitely did better than I did, and and it was great to see. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, we we said it's really funny because like when when we're here playing at cheap courses in Colombia, I I always do better than Caitlin. But when when push comes to shove in these serious high money courses, she she outperforms me by wide margin. So mm-hmm. I, I I I can't put my money where my mouth is at all. Well, that's fun. I mean, you know, people, you you had a vacation. Yeah. You needed a vacation. I needed one. It's been a year. Did you more. need a vacation from your vacation, though? Boy, you're telling <laughs> oh, me. God, I, you know. I would love a piece of wood with uh, with a little script on that that says that, that I could hang in my house, you know? <laughs> right next to your gather. gather sign. Yeah, right next to the gather <laughs> in the lead, sign. Laugh, that's exactly sign. right. Oh, lead, laugh, love. Well, that's good. Baby. You had a good you week for it. You had a good week for it. It was really nice. The weather was nice. It was fun to be outside that whole time. Yeah. So I, I loved it. That That's what I like. And uh, wish it could have been there. I know. Me too. Once I get through yeah. all this Statehouse stuff. I tell you. Never. never Take ending. it out. Take it out. Take it well, out. Say folks, goodbye to the people. I got vaccinated. Many of you out there have been vaccinated. Let us know your experience. We're all interested. I know a lot of people are excited to do this. Uh, and those, again, who haven't been able to get it yet, you will soon. Stick with us. And I'll, I'll keep you updated on how I'm feeling, you know. I get my uh, second dose in four weeks, so we'll let you know how that goes. And thank you all again for listening to the pod. It's been a year. It's been a year. And uh, we're still going strong. We appreciate you listening as well. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and then you can also leave us a voicemail, 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, consider becoming an ETV member. we got the pledge drive going on right now. Membership starts at just $40, and if you pledge at the $75 level, you get access to PBS Passport. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You got all the perps out. <laughs> I'm burp free, baby. I got my <clears throat> I got my 10-day chip, no burps. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you just let one out. I'm like, oh, oh I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm back on the wagon, or is it off the wagon? I don't know. 